Hey, it's Chuck. Welcome in. Today on the show, the Combine News, my fear for Sonny Styles, a new law in Ohio that may affect some, Notre Dame pomposity, and the future of the college football playoff. Let's get it. And welcome into Chuck on Bucks. And sad news today, for me anyway, Marv won't be running at the Combine. It won't matter for him as he's a perfect wide receiver prospect, an absolute tactician of all things wide receiver with insane body control, catch radius, high points the ball, uncanny knack for the boundary as fast as he needs to be, outworks literally everyone, the last guy at the Woody every night, working the Monarch machine, which is the new name for the Jugs machine. I, was, I said the Jugs machine the other night, and I was wondering, what's the name of the new one? It's the Monarch machine, and that's the one that Marv works every night when everybody else is gone from the Woody. So the dude has zero questions about him as a prospect. He doesn't need to run. He says he can run a 4-3. I'd love to see it. But in the draft processes, there's so many boxes that you need to check. And I don't think we've ever seen anyone who checks any more than Marv can check. I mean, he's pretty much as perfect as you can get as a prospect. Absolute can't miss. And I just hope he ends up somewhere where he can flourish because it's going to be fun to watch. And it's so crazy when you look back at the team a couple years ago and there's that picture with Olave, Garrett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Marvis and Harris, and just the back of their names just standing straight together. It's just nuts. I absolutely love it. But when I was thinking about him running today, it got me thinking about how he doesn't, he kind of is underrated for his athleticism, I think, nationally. We all know. But I think it's kind of underrated. Because he doesn't seem to be flying when he's running. And it reminded me of Terrell Pryor, which sent me down a whole Tat 5 wormhole. So, I was just thinking about that today, and I was thinking that I haven't seen TP around or heard anything from him since maybe 2021 when he tweeted, tweeted something about wanting the wins back that were vacated and something nice about Jim Trestle. But I haven't seen him around. Um, I haven't heard much out of him, and I would like to see more of him. So, if anybody's heard anything about that, fill me in. But I was remembering how they had banned him for five, or disassociated him from the program for five years. And I uh, recently was hearing some people talk about Tatgate and how ridiculous it is looking back. And it is ridiculous when we compare the rules then to the rules now. I mean, those rules were pretty arcane. But I don't know. I was pretty upset at the time. I mean, rules are rules. That's just how I roll. Break them at your own risk. But when the consequences affect tons of other people, you know, I was pretty mad. And now we got to listen to uh, people besmirch Jim Trestle still over that garbage. And I didn't know that was such a thing until I got on Twitter. But that's a thing, man. They, they literally, Michigan folks refer to him as a crook. And they legit believe it. Like, they really believe it. That, that he's a total fraud. The most buttoned up guy you've ever seen in your life. But he did wrong, too. But none of it was as serious as, uh, as it was made out to be. Hell, I can buy gold pants right now for 2800 bucks on eBay. Pick a year. They're all there. You know I've looked. <laughs> but that ridiculous Sports Illustrated cover and that hit piece article, what an absolute joke. I'll never forget that when that came out, how deep it went. And I was thinking about that article today, and the funniest part was there was some anonymous source that was citing when Jim Trestle was a GA that he was rigging raffles at camps with all the players so that the players that that they really wanted would win the raffle whatever the prize was 
because you couldn't give prizes back then. So he would make sure that the, the top prospects were winning those prizes in this raffle. And just a uh, funny time, man. But that really was the biggest thing in college football that season. That story. That story was. And I was thinking about Devere Posey, Boom Heron, Boom Heron, Beasts. We don't really hear much from them or much about them, talk much about them. At least I don't hear much about them much. But uh, if Marv says he runs a 4-3, I'm just going to take his word for it. Marv runs a 4-3. But on a laser time, that is absolutely flying. Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Cade Stover, Mike Hall Jr., Josh Proctor, Mayan, Mayan Williams, and Matt Jones will all be participating at the Combine. That's going to take place Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on NFL Network if you're interested in watching any of those guys perform. I am most interested... I don't really care about watching the combine anymore. I used to love it, but not so much anymore. But I'm most interested in where Cade Stover is going to go because I keep hearing it's, it's, it's dropping and somebody's going to get an absolute steal. That's a dude you want on your team. We all know that. But uh, everybody's talking about this college football video game. When it was originally a game, I played some back then. But I don't play any games anymore because they're just too time-consuming. I don't have enough time to put into it to get good, and if I'm not good, I don't want to play. So I probably won't be playing that game either. But everybody's talking about it, and I'm not here to talk about the game. What I want to talk about is something that irritated me in the conversation about the game, and that's Notre Dame. In 2021, Notre Dame said it would not participate in the newly announced EA Sports College Football video game unless... The players got paid. That was obviously posturing, as we all know, knew at the time the players were going to get paid or it was never coming back. <clears throat> but they took it as an opportunity to show how pro player they were or try to pretend like it as if they weren't the biggest opponents of NIL and everything that anything progress ever. Right. So fast forward up until a few weeks ago when every single team had to said that they were going to be participating in the game. 133 teams. There's 134. Notre Dame was still not in. They waited till the very last minute. And, of course, we knew they were going to participate in the game. They just wanted the attention, and they got it. They always got to feel special about something, try to make everyone else think they're special. So Jack Swarbrick, their AD, comes out. And he finally announces this week that Notre Dame will be in the EA college football game. And in his statement, he said, it's long overdue and I'm thrilled. It wouldn't be college football if we weren't in it. And I'm glad we found a way to be in it. The absolute pomposity of this man in that university. I can't even stand him. They make my skin crawl. They're like this with everything. And it's the same with the conference issue. Just constant, we're better than everybody else. Look at us, we're so important. And these people kowtow to them. Did you know that the College Football Playoff Management Committee is made up of the commissioners of all the FBS conferences and Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick? So the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big 12, all the other conferences, all the schools are represented by their one conference commissioner. And somehow, Notre Dame gets their AD, he gets a seat at the table with an equal say to all these conferences. That is, it blows my mind, man. But it brings me 
great pleasure that they're finally going to get their comeuppance as we head into the expanded playoffs, the first iteration anyway. And Notre Dame is unable to win a conference championship, therefore unable to get a top four spot and a bye. And it serves them right for always trying to be the cool guy. Now, I imagine most of you know some Notre Dame fans. I got them in my family. I was the rogue one, the whole generation above me, Italian Catholic school, Notre Dame fans. So was I. Well, I'm a Catholic school kid, not a Notre Dame fan. But the weirdest thing about the Notre Dame fans is they wear this pompousness of the university as a, like a badge of honor for themselves and their fandom. It's really strange. Like, you know, you can just choose to be that. You didn't do anything to get that fandom. Whatever. But the current 12-teamer is changing in two years. Notre Dame's going to need to change too, at least if they want to compete for a national championship. Because the Big Ten is at 18 teams and the SEC is at 16 teams and both are going to grow. There isn't enough talent in the Big 12 and the ACC that makes this make sense any other way. We knew this was coming because the Big Ten and the SEC both recognize they're sitting in the clear power positions here and they're now breaking bread together, deciding how they want this to look like in the future. So what's best for them? Well, what's best for them is to take a handful more schools, add them you know, a couple from the ACC, a couple from the Big 12, and they no longer get a seat at the table. As in, it's now just the Big 10 and the SEC, and they don't need to participate in your playoff because they can have their own playoff, and that will be the playoff because it'll be the only one we want to watch. So that's the way I see this going, and I think it's inevitable, and I think that obviously that means sorry, Notre Dame, you're going to have to join a conference if you want to participate. Unless you want to be playing in the football version of the NIT. I wonder if younger people even know what the NIT is anymore. Any younger folks watching. So you know March Madness and basketball, right? Well, there's another college hoops tournament that takes place at the same time for the best of the rest. So teams 69 to whatever play in an invitational tournament called the NIT. It's a championship you really don't want to hang a banner for because it's basically saying we're the 69th best team in the country. But I think college football at some point will consist of the Big Ten and SEC, their playoff, which will be recognized as the playoff, and the leftover schools, after they restructure their conferences, are going to end up having an NIT tournament style. And that's one I'll actually, I, like, I'll watch that. I can get behind Iowa State and Wake Forest for the, I don't know, national championship part two nit style whatever they want to call it but i wanted a six team or a six team playoff six teams to protect the best team that may slip up one time at a michigan state or a purdue from getting left left out you know i think that was the best way to go i don't like that we're at 12 it's fine whatever i can't change it i don't like the fact that Ohio State or Michigan or Alabama or any of the Blue Bloods can in a lot of seasons lose three games in a season and make this playoff. I think that's just, you know, we got three big games next year on Ohio State's schedule. If you lose all three, you still might make it in. There's a good chance you will if you're, if you're in Ohio State or in Alabama or in Georgia. And I just think that's so boring. I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> but it's what we got. So Doug LaMaurice was banging on uh, banging the drum 
about people who feel the way I do about the playoff, not liking that it's at 12 teams. And he uh, laid out a whole argument full of bullshit. And he called people like me. Now, he's my favorite journalist ever. You've heard me talk about him if you've listened before. I love him. He called people like me, a, a naughty name, and uh, he said he would love to come on anybody's podcast and debate him. Well, here I am, pal. I will blast your argument out of the water if you want to do it. We'll do it. But the only thing I've ever disagreed with my man Doug on, and uh, he is so, so wrong on this, but I won't go through my points now in case he takes me up on my offer. I don't want him to, I don't want him to know ahead of time, right? I don't want him to be able to prep. I can prep. I already heard him. So the floor is yours, Doug. But on to, on to football. So I'm really nervous that Sonny Styles is still in the safeties room. And it's just starting to make me concerned that uh, we're never going to see the best out of Sonny Styles that maybe could have been because he's such a flipping freak that he's actually making it more difficult for his coaches to figure out what to do with him. Now, I commend the fact that they got him on the field early, right? They, they got him on the field any way they could. And that was at safety, and that was great with me. So get him on the field any way you can. I was with it. But we're sitting here talking now, and the safeties, the, the, he's not needed at safety. The linebackers, they're a little questionable. Like, at what point do they put this man where I think he belongs, where I think most of us think he belongs? I mean, he's still in the safeties room. So I guess I'm not to being totally fair because I'm sitting here talking every day about how I commend the coaching staff so much and they're doing such a great job. And I have total faith in them. So, like, I got faith. But Sonny is a prospect that when he came in, and we've been spoiled enough to see so many of them, come in that are just like get our juices flowing like I'm so excited to see this guy play and I love watching him play but I want to watch him play at linebacker we're over here talking about Cody Simon probably got one spot locked down CJ Hicks Arvell Reese Gabe Powers I like I just want Sonny in there because I just think if he has enough time to learn the position and he's he's gonna get a tree in the grove like I just want to see it and if you keep screwing around with him, I don't know, man. The clock's ticking. The clock is ticking. He's a really young dude. The clock's not ticking for him. It's ticking for the Buckeyes. Because I would absolutely hate to see this guy not reach his full potential at Ohio State because of all this position stuff and go to the NFL, get in the proper position for him, and just become an absolute stud, which I believe he will be. I believe he will be at Ohio State. I have faith, I have faith they're going to do what they need to do to make that happen. I know he's got what it takes to make it happen. But I just want to see him reach his potential because he's my favorite young guy. I've not been so excited for a prospect, um, for a commitment in a long time as I was for Sonny Styles, And it helps that he's a hometown guy. So anyway, that was just in the back of my mind today. And uh I was thinking about it and wanted to get it off my chest. Goofy news today. College football player prop betting is now illegal in the state of Ohio. If you're not familiar with gambling, kudos to you. But essentially a prop bet on a player is Quinchon Judkins 
will rush for 120 yards over or under, right? Just picking an over or under on how many receptions Marvin Harrison may have over or under. Well, Ohio has banned these prop bets for college players. Why would Ohio care about that? Well, they don't. But NCAA president Charlie Baker does. Charlie Baker has pushed all states that have legalized gambling to make college player prop bets illegal. Now, he leads his statement on why he wants this. Ready? The data is in. It is clear that student athletes are getting harassed by bettors. Now, Charlie Baker doesn't give a damn about student athletes getting harassed by bettors. It's the second part that he cares about. Quote, sports betting without appropriate controls poses a real threat to the well-being of student athletes and the integrity of college competition risks, which are heightened by individual prop bets. So what he's saying here is a college player could intentionally do something untoward to affect the outcome of a personal player prop bet. And they could affect that bet more than say a whole team total, because if it's an individual bet on them, obviously they could, you know, maybe have a little more influence in how that happens, the outcome of that. Uh, and this is spurred by an LSU wide receiver who was caught placing uh, a couple of bets, player prop bets on himself. Now he would have lost both of those bets. He placed two on himself. He'd have lost them, but he bet on himself to take the over. So I'm proud of him for that. He wasn't trying to throw it. So good on him. But it really is, uh, I, I don't understand why this is happening. So the ones that stand to lose the most here on player prop bets are sports books. And if they deem that the risk of taking a potential bath on a player throwing sports bets in college is no greater than in the pros, because if they did, they wouldn't list them. They don't need to list them. Well, what makes Charlie Baker feel like he needs to worry about it? And what makes the state of Ohio feel like they need to do Charlie Baker's bidding? Why would the state of Ohio care? What's the difference from the state of Ohio's perspective on player prop bets in college football and player prop bets in the NFL? Because as we know, we've gone through this with NIL, the state laws don't give a damn what the NCAA has to say about their athletes and their rules. So if you're treating college athletes the exact same way as pro athletes by the letter of the law when it comes to that, then why are you making different laws when it comes to player prop bets? And if this is such a problem, why are they allowed to do it in the NFL? It's just not lining up for me. I'm not quite getting it. Fill me in, guys. I'm just not, I mean, I don't care. I like player prop bets. I just don't like double standards. Much like Kalen DeBoer, this just feels a little off to me. But whenever, I mean, I'm happy. I can bet now legally. Um, I used to bet in offshore books. And those trying to get your money out of those things was absolutely impossible. Of course, I always kept putting money back in. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Congratulations to Stephanie for winning our free t-shirt trivia question of the day. Yesterday, our question was, in 2005, the best linebacker in the country was A.J. Hawk, but A.J. was snubbed for the Butkus and the Bednarik and the Ronnie Lott Award. One teammate smoke, spoke out about it. Quote, I'm not sure how you can be the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, a unanimous All-American, 
and not win the Butkus or Lot or Bednarik. Who was that teammate? And who was that lesser linebacker that beat Hawk for the Butkus? Either answer will work. And Stephanie nailed both Paul Puzlesny and Bobby Carpenter. So, congratulations, Stephanie. Everyone who's won a shirt, they all went out today. Big pile of them, they're out. So, expect them probably end of this week. I've finally been approved on Apple Podcasts, so now you can catch all the episodes over there. Spotify as well. TikTok, Juck.On.Bucks for quick hitters or Juck on Bucks Twitter. Show's doing awesome. Don't forget the alert bell. Please like and subscribe. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Juck on Bucks out.